and welcome to the Dairy Dialogue podcast for June the 6th, 2019, if this has somehow found its way into a time capsule, although I've no idea how or why it would. I'm Jim Cornell, editor of Dairy Reporter, and just when I thought I'd recovered physically from Barcelona, I have been laid low with either a very bad cold or the flu, or both. Not sure which, and I don't suppose it matters, other than it's not pleasant. It does deepen the voice a bit, though, and I do remember whenever I had a cold when I was on the radio many years ago, people would call in and say how good I sounded, which meant two things, that I didn't the rest of the time, and that obviously I should have a permanent cold in order to sound good. I'm not sure whether it was being around so many people at an event that caused this one, or in a big city, or being in a plane next to someone sneezing, or the temperature change from sunny Barcelona to not-so-sunny Scotland. Maybe all of them. Anyway, when I said last week that this week's show would include interviews from the Barcelona event, I was wrong. No, the dog didn't eat them, and I didn't delete them all by accident, although I'm quite capable of doing that. But here's what happened. When I first started doing the podcast two days before it went live, I'd be in a panic because I had to find people to interview. Now I'm weeks ahead, which is great that people want to be on the Dairy Dialogue, and long may that continue. But a couple of weeks ago, I did an interview with Simrise and Unilever about the Vanilla for Change campaign in Madagascar, and it was really interesting. So I thought I'd combine it with a couple of interviews from Barcelona, and off we go. But no... The Vanilla for Change interview is quite long, and I found that I couldn't cut much out, except me rambling at the beginning, as I do on the podcast. So rather than cut it or run it in two parts, I thought I'd dedicate the entire show to it this week, and next week come back to the show in Barcelona, along with interviews with Lewis Road Creamery in New Zealand on their latest launch, and Cargill on their new corn-based starches. At least that's the plan. We will, of course, have our weekly updates on the global dairy markets with Liam Fenton from INTLFC Stone, although I won't put him on the spot and ask him about the global vanilla market, although he'd probably know something about it. And so to the interview. Late last month, Unilever's brand Walls launched the Vanilla for Change campaign. Unilever partnered with the not-for-profit organisation Save the Children, the charitable organisation Me to We, and flavour producer Simrise to support vanilla farmers and young people within the vanilla communities in Madagascar, as well as young people in the UK. During the Vanilla for Change campaign, when consumers purchase Walls ice cream, they are supporting a non-profit project from Me to We's charitable partner company, The We Schools. However, rather than me tell you all about it, we invited three people much closer to the story. Yannick Lean, Global Taste Competence Director, Vanilla, Simrise France, who was in the US. Hamish Taylor, Simrise Advisor on Sustainability, normally based in Scotland, although he was in London. And Pilar Pedrinelli, Global Senior Associate Brand Manager and Sustainability Lead, Walls, Unilever International who is normally in Rotterdam in the Netherlands, but was in Italy. I think I was the only one in my office. But the conference call amazingly worked and put us all together. And first, I asked Hamish for a little background on the entire project. Well, Simrise has been active in vanilla in Madagascar for over 10 years now. Um, And then Simrise and Unilever started a partnership 
six years ago. And then three years ago, we looked in Save the Children because we wanted to go beyond the supply chain, beyond doing simply just sourcing sustainable vanilla, but actually helping the communities in, in a holistic way. And we've got to the point where we feel that we've actually achieved quite a lot on the ground together as the partners. Save the Children have definitely delivered on their promise of bringing in a different focus and making sure that we're child-centric in what we're doing. And that's been very beneficial. And we therefore felt it was time to communicate to consumers at point of sale what we're actually doing. And then in maybe I'll ask Pilar to talk more about this, but the exciting bit was that we felt that it wasn't just about saying, this is what we're doing in Madagascar. It was about and then where we're connecting with youth in the, in the field, if you like. It was also about saying, let's, let's bring something and make it happen in the UK, which is where we talked to me to we and started and are connecting with youth in the UK. So maybe Pilar can say more about that or yeah. um, that's the general background anyway. Yeah, so what, what I will add to that, Emish, is simply that I, I've been lucky enough to jump on this partnership, uh, I think, one year and a half ago now. You know, when I got into this partnership uh, uh, from the world side, I've seen stories that were worth to be told. I've seen really, like, I've been there also in Madagascar myself, uh, and I've seen what the partnership does on the ground. You know, I, I said... I think it's important for us to really, uh, you know, involve, involve consumers as well in this journey because I think it's really, you know, I mean, maybe I'm biased, but I think it's really amazing what we do, and I want the world essentially to uh, to hear about it. The how Vanilla for Change started, uh, it started actually a year ago now. Um, I wanted to involve essentially newer way of communicating stories uh, to consumers because it's very difficult, uh, especially I think in a country like UK where you have so many things happening in your country as well to care about something that is it seems um, you know at first sense so distant. So I wanted to make sure um, you know that we are uh, we were partnering with someone that also had expertise in UK as Amish was saying so that we could bridge essentially um, problematic, let's say, that are seem to be so far away in Madagascar, but actually sometimes they have the same ground both in the case. So, uh, and in this case, the bridge is empowering young people. So that's how I started to work with me to we uh, uh, to make sure that we had a way of communicating to consumers and they can actually feel part of also of our journey. Um, and they can feel they can actually make an impact too because they actually can. And, and is this something that people can check on online? I mean, how do you communicate with yes. consumers? Yes. So, Mitsui um, uh, invented this tool that is called Track Your Inbox. So, unfortunately, we don't have any one of, of them here today, but I'll do my best to represent them. It's this, uh, this tool that allows you essentially to scan a QR code or to enter a code online on a website. And then it directs you to a page where you can read the stories of people that were impacting with the different programs. So as a consumer, when you're upon a sale or you're, uh, you know, you saw ads digitally somewhere, you can actually uh, track your impact and see in this website the stories of, of the people that were impacting. And also, actually, through uh, do we uh, understand how you can get involved as well. Sounds good. And, and what was the situation yeah. like before this? In in Madagascar. Yeah, in, in Madagascar is yeah. too. You know, obviously, yeah. it's okay. it's yeah. it's nice to make lots of changes and yeah. do and do great yeah. things. I'm just wondering how 
how how the situation was before that you're able to impact positively. Okay, if we if we turn back uh, the clock, maybe six years, the best best sort of indicators there were things like people had five months of food insecurity. That didn't mean that they they couldn't put food on the table, but it did mean that they didn't have a, a lot of choice about what food they put on the table and how much they could put on the table. And that was because they'd be waiting for the rice crop and they'd be waiting for the vanilla crop as well. In that situation, if you then hit a, a problem, say, in your family where you needed to get health care, you know, you had an accident or your child fell sick, then you'd often have to go and borrow money from someone. They were so-called vanilla flower contractors. And you would borrow money from someone and they would say, right, your vanilla is now my vanilla. And as a result of that, then you wouldn't have your cash income when the vanilla was ripe in, say, June or July. And you would then be struggling for the rest of the year. We disrupted those factors that impact poverty. In the very beginning, we started giving rice credits. And by giving interest-free rice credit, then you did, they didn't have to go and borrow money at extortionate rates, lose their income from the vanilla crop, uh, just as they could put food on the table. The partnership with Unilever and Simize, first of all, we gave them access to health insurance, which, you know, things like a cesarean is now covered at no cost. You go into hospital, you need a cesarean, a, a mother has a baby, there's no cost. Now, that wasn't possible before. Therefore, you had all sorts of problems. And we've been, Yannick, myself, uh, Pilar, we've been in situations where we've met women in the community who are standing there with a young baby on their hip saying we, we, the two of them, wouldn't be there today if it wasn't for what we've done in terms of access to healthcare. Now, you then do some very practical things like farm a field school, which is technical aspects of growing vanilla, but growing the rice as well. So you improve their ability to increase productivity and yield. You encourage them to manage the soil better. That then means that they can grow more food, their subsistence crops, and get better returns on their cash crop, which gives more income. And then when, say, the children came in, in the last phase of the, the program, We've done things like VSLA, where people in the village agree to save the same amount of money each week, each unit, and they save it, and then the people are actually able to borrow money from the VSLA at an agreed interest rate, a very modest interest rate, and then repay it later. So that gives them, in a, in a society that's got very poor access to finance and very low levels of banking, bankerization as they term it, is it like 12% max? So that's 12% of people who have access to bank account. But once you enlist people in the VSLA programs, then they can borrow money from that program, either to do something small entrepreneurial, or if they need money just now, they borrow it and they repay it. Now that's not dissimilar to things like the Grameen Bank in, in, in Bangladesh and other countries, but it means that they can, they can actually manage their finances better. And that's also been helped by the farmer business schools. So Save the Children have brought in the VSLA model and trained and engaged people. The GIZ, who is our other partner, the German Development Agency, they've helped us the farmer business school where you're giving financial education training as well to farmers and families. And that means they can better manage their own household finances and make better decisions about where they spend money 
on their farms. So when you start to look at these activities, you start to see that you're taking small bites at the causes of poverty. There's not one magic silver bullet that wipes it out, but you're taking small bites at it. Then within the program, because of Unilever and supporting Simrise with respect to Rainforest Alliance certification, we pay the farmers for certified vanilla. So we train them, which protects the forest, but also means that they look after the soil better, it looks after water courses and sources, and they get paid a premium for Rainforest Alliance certification. And Simrise also pays them a, a premium for quality. That means they get a better price for the vanilla, which again adds more to the income. But it also means, let's, you know, this, this isn't just philanthropy. It means that Simrise and Unilever get better quality vanilla. Yannick, do you want to maybe add to that? Uh, building on the last point that, that you made, Hamish, with the current market situation in vanilla, obviously the need for high-quality vanilla beans remains very, very high. I'm, I'm sure you, you were aware of the high price levels uh, in vanilla and also the fact that vanilla as a raw material or high-quality raw material is high-quality vanilla is difficult to find. The fact that indeed we're working together with farmers, we're consulting them, we're training them, we're giving them access to all kinds of services. Obviously, it's also a very good point for us in our commercial relationship with Unilever so that we can offer the right quality products again. So that's an important point to mention and uh, uh, closes the loop, I would say. Yeah, I, I was I was going to mention the the vanilla aspect of things. I know that consumers being mm. what they are, everybody's always extremely happy to see good things yeah. happening both environmentally and with with children however their patience wears thin if prices go a lot higher how, how do you balance that the sustainable aspect well, of things with cost uh, it's a very good question and it's something yeah. that you know we have to do battle with there's a number of ways we are tackling it the first one is making sure that we've got security of supply in place because once the market prices escalate and you've got vulnerability, then without security of supply, then you don't have any vanilla at all. Then you can get desperate. Then you actually end up, your actions push prices even higher. So focusing on direct relationships and direct engagement with the farmer actually gives us the security of supply. That doesn't mean we necessarily bring prices down, but it does mean at least we can get vanilla without having to be panicked buyers. The other aspects of it are when you look at when you've got a vanilla extract, then some brands simply can't afford to use, you know, 100% natural vanilla extract. So within Simrise's capabilities as a flavor house, we can offer a portfolio of solutions, everything from the 100% vanilla extract to natural flavors to artificial flavors and, and vanillin. So we can actually offer people vanilla taste in a variety of different ways. And that gives a portfolio of choice as to what brands can afford, what consumers want to pay, but all the time keeping access to, uh, if you excuse me saying a, a, an English expression, like, we, we've got the real McCoy, you know, we've got <laughs> real access to really good vanilla. And at the end of the day, really good vanilla still generates great consumer preference and great, great enjoyment. So it is a balance. It's always a balance, but these are the things we try and do. The other bit in terms of a commercial aspect to it 
is that Simrise has got its own curing, so the preparing phase and curing phase and extraction capabilities in Madagascar. So we're able to take the sort of best beans and the best processes approach to give the best extracts, the best flavors, to then end up giving a portfolio of choice that's as cost-effective as it can be. We cannot battle against or win the war single-handed against supply and demand. You know, that's the, the sheer economics of it. But we can actually mitigate the cost for our customers, and we do. And that's about having feet on the ground, being connected to farmers, and having capabilities in place that allow us to make a difference. And you, you mentioned that, and the other aspects, I guess, of the, the whole situation would be sustainability. And I know that Madagascar is yeah. known for its, not just necessarily vanilla, but it's known for its biodiversity. And that's yeah. been something that has been threatened for for many years. And I, I would assume that if you're able to work with educating people on the ground that that's also beneficial in terms of overall sustainability and biodiversity it certainly is and let, let's answer that one in two ways to give everyone a little bit of a rest from me as well Yana if you maybe go I'll go first and you maybe pick up on UEBT and it's certified and the rainforest aspects of biodiversity and certification mm -hmm. um, if we mm -hmm. look at the farmer field school and, and farmer business school what we've got is we've got a network of Simrise people on the ground. So we're actually, we know where our vanilla comes from, to the farm, to the farmer. And we've got our own people visit the farmers. And we work with the National Parks in, Malaga National Parks in Madagascar to make sure that our farmers are not encroaching over the Madagascar park boundaries. We also, through compliance with the different certification schemes, we're training farmers not to do slash and burn. The other advantage, and this was a bizarre thing that I learned from my first visit to Madagascar several years ago, is that the whole hunting of lemurs is not about fur, it's not about catching them. Unfortunately, it's about protein, it's about dinner. So if you're paying good prices to farmers, you're actually reducing the pressure on the biodiversity because they don't have to go and hunt the, the wild animals. No, that, that's an important point to build on, Hamish. You know, indeed, we're partnering up with UABT. Uh, we are also Rainforest Alliance certified. So as part of that, um, that means actually that our approaches um, are also very viable and verified by third parties. Um, so the actions we really take on the ground to work together with farmers and, and taking into account biodiversity are part of those programs and um, are checked upon. I think one additional point on that as well is Hamish, uh, Pilar and me, we've, we've been to Madagascar and, and, and if you travel there, you see how close vanilla is grown in a, indeed a very, very biodiverse environment and how closely it is grown also to um, national parks. So um, that's also part of our work we do over there. We, we work very closely together with national parks as to how we can guide farmers to respect the boundaries of national parks. And, and indeed, that's, that's just one element. Uh, all of the other sustainability actions we're taking or partnership actions we're taking with farmers to make sure that they don't need to expand their, their terrain by training them or giving them training to, to make better use of their land uh, they currently have is helping not to expand into national parks, obviously. 
Yeah, well, if you look at the documentaries, one of the beautiful things is the vanilla is, a, is actually an agroforestry crop. So it yeah. grows within the rainforest and it needs tutor trees and it needs shade trees. So the one thing that we emphasize about vanilla to people who haven't visited is that it is actually a crop that it provides cash without having to chop down the forests. In fact, it needs the forests in order to actually survive well. Uh, and it's not a high intensity crop either. It's not the sort of thing where, you know, you put it in the ground and after three years you've exhausted the ground because it's actually growing at low density and within the canopy of other trees. So if you teach good agricultural practices within the context of vanilla, you've actually got a very good agroforestry crop that in its own right helps the protection of the biodiversity. And if I can add to that, one way to describe this biodiversity is imagine two plants that normally won't ever be in the same country and they're there next to each other. I was literally, you know, on the car on the way to visit these communities and I was just like staring at, at the window seat, like completely, you know, it's absolutely amazing. And I think that's a key important point because biodiversity has been always at the focus also the partnership because the partnership, I think, really goes beyond vanilla itself. Um, and one of the main focus of the partnership is actually diversification. So we're encouraging actually communities to um, to uh, to focus on on mm -hmm. other sort of crops, not only because we know that price of vanilla is volatile, and you know it's actually very entertaining plant and orchid and flower to to to, to grow, um, but also because biodiversity, and that's going to be actually the focus also of of the future of this partnership, alongside with um, mm -hmm. the mitigating essentially the effects of climate change as well. Uh, and you, obviously, you, you've all been to Madagascar before. Not that I'm getting totally jealous here, but in, in, in terms of um, what positive changes have you noticed in the times that you have been there in the chronology of first going there to today? So I've been to Madagascar first time. When was it? I think it was three years ago and um, had, the, uh, had indeed the opportunity to go back a couple of times. So from, from my experience, this is really a personal perception. What, what I really see is, um, and that, that's also why I'm so amazed about what the partnership does. And I guess, Jim, you see this, how this works uh, in this call already. You know, you, you have everyone contributing to the same thing. We all believe in the same things that we want to change. Um, and um, every, everybody brings something to the table. So if, if you see that, then how this, partnership and the way we communicate together um, already in this call is actually replicated and, and is also a good translation of what we do directly with, with discussions with farmers. They are really partners. So you see them around the table. We, we talk to them and they are, we respect their opinion. Uh, we respect uh, their, their place around the table. And we, we see that they're also believing in the project. So they, they are very passionate about what we're doing there. Um, they're, they're very passionate about the future, and they, they believe in it. So that's a very yeah. that's that, that that is that is really something that struck me very 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 much. It's the way we, the way they talk, the way they interact with us, the positiveness think, that is around that. That's really the personal touch, and I think Hamish also put the, touched on that before. It's it's the positive change that, for example, access to healthcare brings to their lives being able to meet people that have um, health issues and 
were helped by the healthcare action is absolutely very, very tangible um, how partnership works and is a very positive uh, impact to me. Yeah, Jim, if I, may, if I may continue the people one first and then go on to maybe some of the, the physical differences we see. I remember we took a, a global procurement guy from Unilever down and uh, we were standing on the hillside talking to the farmers and he turned around and asked the farmers a beautiful question. He said, what's the difference between these guys and the other guys? And uh, the farmer in Malagasy and then in the French and then in English turned around and said, well, many people come and say good things to us. The difference about these guys is they come back. And it's the direct interaction with people that we see the biggest difference in. So because we've got that direct interaction, because we've got the presence on the ground, it means that changes stick. And some of the changes that we see sticking are in things like preventing soil erosion. So we've encouraged people to plant vetiver. And vetiver is a, a grass that produces very strong roots. And that stops the soil being washed away during the rainy season. We've also encouraged them to stop doing slash and burn and to start doing reforestation, planting trees planting cocoa, planting coffee, giving extra cash crops for them, planting ginger. So we see things that are happening in terms of the farm practices that are different. And then we see the tangible benefits of that. There are more houses with real tin roofs. Now, these are not two-bedroom semi-detached with a garage. These are still very traditional homes. But they've now got solid wooden sides to them. And they've got metal roofs. And many of those metal roofs have now got solar panels on them. And that's giving them access to electricity for the very first time. Some of them have even got satellite dishes on them. And this business that's been reported in the press about them buying mattresses. We're not talking Sealy Posturepedic Coil Spring here. We're talking foam mattresses that are at least clean and hygienic and for people to sleep on. So you see tangible benefits that way. But I think coming back to the people because that's the one that gives us the passion all the time when you look at the work that Save the Children has done they, they launched a program called Community Champions and the Community Champions go out there and they're a woman who've been recruited from the village they're paid a small incentive it's not even they're not paid the wages but they're paid an incentive to go out and spread the word about washing hands for example following the Unilever uh, Lifebuoy protocols for safe washing your hands so you, then you've got the women going out there and they're talking about what they're doing and they're encouraging dietary diversity and they're encouraging good hygiene and then you've got the youth committees and what Save the Children brought in in the youth committees is amazing because when we go out to the villages we meet with maybe 50 teenagers and they're sitting there and what you're seeing is real leaders so you're seeing instinctive leaders, but now they're getting coaching, now they're getting encouragement. And our belief is that once we've got a bunch of educated leaders there, and who really care about things, and who've got access to opportunity, our job will be done then. Because we see this, what Save the Children brought in, on top of what we've been doing already in healthcare, on top of what we've been doing in supporting the schools. The schools are better, 95% attendance now enrollment in primary school now it's not perfect we've still got issues about kids going on to secondary school 
and dropping out of secondary school, but we're working on it. But when you start to see these things and make a difference, then honestly, it gives you the, the reasons to believe in abundance. And that's why we've actually felt confident as a bunch of partnership partners. And if you think about this, Save the Children would not allow us to talk about what we're doing unless we're really doing it because of the integrity that they have to bring to everything. We, you know, they don't let us do this discussion, this communication if we're not making a real difference. And likewise, it's a German development agency who's doing the monitoring evaluation of us and making sure that the impact that we report is real. We do get to do good business. We do, we do create great vanilla flavors, and I love ice cream myself. But we also get to change the lives of thousands of people. And we do it for real. And that is magic, real magic. Well, I'm not sure if I can go after that. <laughs> that was that kind of powerful image. But I can, you know, as Yannick and Ms. Dudley put, I don't think I can add anything, but I want to add the three images of my recent trip to Madagascar. They still give me goosebumps, I think, on a daily basis. The first one is when we visited a school, we arrived there, it was pouring rain. We walk inside and there were these guys uh, and I think the whole community actually in just one single class and, and they start singing welcome, welcome. And it was Seam because Seam that's how they call Seam on the ground. Uh, because Seam got there with Unilever um, and they wanted to celebrate us. And I was like, you want to celebrate us? <laughs> you just like literally gave me, uh, I think, the biggest gift ever probably in my life. Then the second image is of, um, of a house with a solar panel. And to me, that house in the middle of nowhere with a solar panel where you have a country that basically doesn't have roads oftentimes. I just, you know, and the solar panel that is there just because of this partnership, uh, I think that's, uh, you know, it speaks for biodiversity, it speaks for the intervention of the partnership, I think it speaks also for, I think the people also that work for this partnership, because there is also a human aspect of it. Um, and then the third final image is uh, actually the, the, closest, uh, the closest one for, for me. Um, so I fell, I fell in love with Madagascar passively first uh, through a colleague of mine. Um, so he went there and he, um, he kind of started telling me a few stories of people on the ground. And one of those stories was the one of Marinette that you can actually also read in one of the stories that, that we feature. And I read about Marinette and uh, I literally could feel, you know, we, we could become friends. Um, and so the first time that, uh, you know, I went to Madagascar and uh, the guys in to Marinette, I felt like, you know, I'm here because of this partnership, and we started talking as if, you know, uh, of course with the translator, but as if, you know, we were connected since uh, since day one. We talked about this colleague of mine that she still remembers, and, and we chat about literally life and, you know, how we can all work together to, uh, yeah, to, to make sure that we're making a change. So, I think these are the three uh, powerful images of how I think how we're making a difference in Madagascar. The other question is to sort of wrap it all up would be where do you go from here and, and how does it continue to evolve? We've got a steerical steering committee in which Unilever, Simrise, Save the Children and GeoZ are actively involved because 
just to make it clear, the Me to We project is a, a UK focused project. Now, because Me to We is actually talking about things that the youth and kids feel passionate about, one local and one international, we may find that may, may find that the 100,000 kids that will benefit from the We Schools activity may actually get interested and involved in Madagascar as well. We don't know how that one will develop. That's yeah what the kids want to feel like. We're not dictating them, we're not channeling them in that direction. If they want to do it, great. If they want to do something else, fantastic. But for the other partners, we're already planning the next phase of intervention. We're already planning how we scale to get into other villages. Um, we've also got other partners who've seen, and seen the program and they want to invest as well. So one of the important things that this partnership set out to do was to show the way for others to follow, to have sector-wide influence and sector-wide impact. And that's certainly uh, an important part of the next phase of the project, is to make sure that the, the lessons that we have learned, the good practices we've developed, can actually be scaled and, and borrowed and lifted and shifted by others. But as the partners themselves, we're committed to moving the project forward We've had a very positive midterm evaluation, which is where you have an independent auditor come in and say to you which parts of your program is working, working well, and which other parts need attention to make them work better. The main focus moving forward, because Simrise are launching a multi-country program as well that, that this project will be part of, is about we tell, bridging the generation gap in farming. So creating an interesting future for youth in the countryside, not just in vanilla, but in the countryside, right? So they don't have to feel that they have to go to the big cities because youth migration away from the countryside is going to be an issue in a number of countries in the future. So focusing on developing real opportunities for youth is a critical part of the next phase of the project. Continuing the efforts on community strengthening is important continuing the youth committees that have been so powerful. We've got girls into playing football. We've got girls' voices mm. being heard. We've got teenagers, thanks to what the Save the Children are doing, actually talking and interested about sexual reproductive health. You know, we've gone into villages and we've asked people about these things. And they have actually turned around and said, well, we weren't getting that education at home. We weren't getting that education in school. But now through the youth committees, we better understand these things. So we're very much, and it fits to the Walls brand as well. We're, we're going for access to opportunities for youth, trying to make a better future. But we also know you can't do that without a multi-generational presence and multi-generational engagement. So many of the things that you see, if you go on and you track your impact and you, you look at the individual stories there, Many of them will continue. Our job's not done. You know, we, we, we've done some good stuff, but we've got to do more of it. And that, that is roughly where the partnership's going. So a really worthwhile undertaking there from all of the partners involved in the project and a very interesting one I hope you found. And now it's over to INTLFC Stone's Liam Fenton who can give us our weekly look at the global dairy markets. We saw butter lower again this week in futures, down by about 150 to 175 euros a tonne. 
Quarter three last week closed at the 40.25 level, but this leak was closer to 38.50. Quarter four last week was at the 41.25 level, but it's closer to 39.75 level by this Friday. This break of the 4,000 level is quite a threshold to break, and uh, what has been a line of support may now become uh, very much a line of resistance to a recovery in price. Uh, We've seen very active covering from uh, the end-user community at around these levels. Skimmel powder uh, continued to drift lower this week also, uh, down by about €50 a tonne. Quarter three trading now around the 21.25 level and quarter four the 21.50 level. But we're continuing to see buyers of skimmel powder at these levels, probably more quarter four than quarter three. Whey was also slightly down at the 7.50 level as, as buyers tended to fade. Thank you, Liam. I guess it's Charlie Highland that we'll be talking to next week, so we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. INTL FC Stone provides risk management and margin hedging programs and services, as well as OTC hedging tool and M&A advisory services to the global dairy industry. And that's it. I hope you enjoyed our more in-depth interview this week and will join us next time when it will definitely, okay, probably, be interviews from Barcelona's Free From Expo and details of a new launch from Lewis Road Creamery in New Zealand as well as Cargill's new starch ingredients. And maybe the cold will be gone by then too. Amazingly, I didn't sneeze throughout this. Not that I'm feeling too sorry for myself. So until next week, thanks for listening.